And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hi, Allegra. How's it going? Good. Pretty good. How are you? Good. I'm good. How you doing, Ida? I'm doing well, thank you. Where are y'all? Are you together or are you separate? Well, we're both in the same city. We're in Brooklyn. Oh. Um, I just happen to be at work at the cheese shop right now. Oh, the cheese yeah. shop. Oh, the cheese shop. <laughs> we do love it, though. I bet. Yeah. I said that. That was probably not an envious tone, but I don't know if working at a cheese shop is great. Cheese is great. I know that. And if I could it's... be in a cheese shop right now, I would like that. Yeah, it's very delicious. Yeah. Good sandwiches. What's it called? I don't. We don't necessarily need to plug it, but I want to go there when I'm in New York. And oh, weeks. let's plug it. Yeah, okay. it's called Eastern District. Okay. We have very cool workers. My coworker Max is downstairs, rocking it out. Okay. Very knowledgeable on all things cheese. Mm-hmm. And he's from Sweden. 
All right. Yep. Very cool. Are there any other rock and roll people that work there? Oh, weirdly enough, uh, I guess like maybe the drummer or I don't know if he's like a hired gun or something, but he drums for that band Waves and he oh. just got hired at my work. Oh, cool. Um, but I have yet to meet him, but his name's Mike. I thought it could have been the cheese place where Gorilla Toss people work. Have you heard of that? Oh, band? yeah, of course. I didn't yeah. know that they work at a cheese <laughs> shop. <laughs> I think two of them. That's great. Yeah. So you're both in New York, but are you from the West Coast? Yeah, we're both from Los Angeles, California. Where in Los Angeles? I grew up in Malibu, mm -hmm. which was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I grew up like all over the valley, pretty much. Why New York? Uh, I moved here for college and am graduating in just a few weeks. Had to take an extra year, sadly, but... um. Yeah, moved here for college and completely fell in love with it, really made a home here. And then when Allegra graduated from her school in New Orleans, she decided to move here as well. And Aaron's here too. So it all kind of works out. <laughs> nice. What did you study or what are you studying? Illustration. It's pretty fun. I just finished making a graphic novel, like a first part of one. Great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Allegra, what did you study? Or what are you studying? You're done. I right? yeah, I'm done. I've I've been done. You're a PhD. Um, no, God no. <laughs> <laughs> I studied communications, and I had a sociology and history minor. It's kind of a bullshit major, but it was cool. The classes were cool. Yeah, it was easy. <laughs> Allegra wrote good long papers. Oh, I, I wrote a couple long papers. Yeah, I feel like my degrees are similar. Very interesting at the time. What are your degrees? I studied psychology and ethnomusicology. Oh, yeah. what's that mean? World music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on. I I love that. I everyone everyone asks that question, and I love okay. it. I love. I feel a little snotty in a fun way to just say world music. <laughs> I I started as a psych major, but. It's technically considered a science. I mean, it is a science. Yes, So I would have had to take, it is, but I would have had to take calculus. All of the core classes were like science classes. So I opted out and went liberal arts. <laughs> I had to maneuver that by going to summer school to community college and taking calculus classes. Oy. Um, so it looks like you guys were just touring and you might be on a little bit of a break right now. How is it out there in the world of rock and roll touring? It's super fun. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of really fun people that we get to meet when we're on tour. Because we're like people who station up at the merch booth after a show. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely fun to meet all those people. And we were just out with Wet Leg and they were super cool as well. So. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, I love them. Still haven't yeah. seen them. And I think I missed your show in Seattle because I was playing one of the few shows I'm playing this year. It happened to be when, when you all were here. Bummer. Yeah. We'll be back. Yeah. Yeah, we will be I'm back. I'm going to go. <laughs> well, you've put out two records in the last couple years, and a lot of our worlds have changed drastically. Outside of playing music and, and being in school, do you get up to anything that kind of surprised you about yourself? Are you doing anything oh, different? I feel like I'm writing less music. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, after you make a record, I just feel like there's this like creative fatigue, mm-hmm. I guess. And this record was really I, it just took a lot of brain power, I guess. There was mm-hmm. a lot of rewriting and so it kind of felt more like now writing is a job or it's a expectation or responsibility that has to be met as opposed to just like okay cool i'm bored i'm just gonna pick up my guitar yeah so i haven't quite gotten back to that feeling of writing is something that i need to do i need to get it out of my system i've been on a break (laughs) um the only thing that's like maybe shocked me is as of recent is that i actually like game of thrones you do i do how'd you get into that Well, it started with Succession, actually, because I got COVID and was trying to start watching Succession. And I was like, this is boring. I don't know anything about business. (laughs) And then I really got through it. And I was like, holy shit, this is like one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah. And I was like, if I can make it through that, maybe I can make it through Game of Thrones. Me and my partner were always like, Game of Thrones is dumb and stupid and I don't care. Um, And then we started watching the first episode and like looked at each other just like, okay, do you like this? And then it's like, yeah, we like this. And then right. we just kept going. Um, so now we're pretty far. Still haven't finished, but yeah, Game of Thrones and like puzzles, I feel like have been oh. a thing for me, which is funny. Yeah, I haven't started Game of Thrones ever either. To me, it just looks like a bunch of bloody, sexy people fighting each other. Yeah. But I know it's more than that. It's got to it, be more than that. I mean, it's pretty amazing, like, how someone can create such a well-rounded well-thought-out universe but yeah there are so many things that are just deeply unnecessary that go into the show but still really good (laughs) well in addition to uh, you know making this record you of course have made some videos i love both those videos they're really (laughs) they're really fun and I, i say this all the time and i sound like a cranky person but i think videos typically suck and are kind of boring and i don't think you're i i just think they're for me it just seems like it you might have had fun making the video and it translates pretty well and i don't think videos for rock bands need to be taken super seriously which i think there has been an era where they were um do you have a hand in the concept or direction of of either the new videos yeah well rockstar was i guess all of my concepts. I had been thinking about the concept for that since we wrote the song and I did the treatment and everything and then handed it off to Ben Joyner, the director, and he flushed it out and actually like gave us a shot list and stuff. But yeah, that was that was from my brain. I sent it over to Ita and Aaron and it looked really stupid on my little Google Doc. <laughs> <laughs> I like copy and pasted a picture of queen all holding gold records oh i hope you have like, that don't, don't ever lose <laughs> i do that. i do i great. have the whole i have the whole treatment <laughs> um and i think they thought it was weird and corny but ben loved it we sent it to ben he was like fuck yeah let's yeah. go <laughs> yeah i just thought like doing a school of rock moment was such a brilliant idea so yeah. like why not <laughs> yeah great acting ita Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about a, a part where you walk into the bar and you high five someone or you, and you look like you're really acting. I mean, Thank and you, you are. Very much. It's really, you know it's really good. I was trying to be authentic. Thank you. It feels so awkward trying to 
Like, I was just thinking about that because we just shot a video this weekend where it's like, I am acting quite a bit in it. And I don't know how that ended up happening, but it really did. And I just was like, okay, some bits are making me feel really uncomfortable because I'm just like, oh, I know you're acting and you can tell I'm acting. Yeah. And there were certain bits where I was like, oh, maybe I did a good job on that. And then I was like, and that was the part where I felt the most uncomfortable. Right. So I was like, hmm. acting's weird. I don't understand how people do it for a living. <laughs> I don't either. I want to do it. I will never do it. I don't have any false pretenses that I will ever do it. And I've tried <laughs> to do it and it's embarrassing and I feel like a fool. And then I watch it back and you, I look like a fool. <laughs> But I want to do it. That's I can be honest, but I, I'll never do it. Yeah, it seems fun to embody a character. <laughs> yeah, I just watched this like thing about Jim Carrey being a method actor, mm -hmm. and it was psychotic. It, it's a crazy documentary on Netflix about how he is just a maddening person to work with as a method actor. Oh my god, never, but, out, never out of character, Jim Carrey. No, Ugh. yeah. And could you imagine? No. Me and I think me and Allegra were talking about this, and it's like, well, deep down, he's in there somewhere, so he knows he's like, yeah, really messing with these people and like making them so angry. But he's like, I can do it because yeah. I can. Doesn't yeah. matter. I know you guys have probably talked about '90s music a lot, <laughs> uh, for a good reason. Uh, you have a lot of '90s music nods uh, in all your records and songs. What I'm curious about is, as someone who didn't grow up in the 90s, how you view the 90s musically and generally kind of culturally. Um, for example, like 1970, late 70s punk for me is something that I thought was, for a time in my life, I just thought that was the only really real music out there. And it really influenced me and influenced my style, my songwriting. Um Another one is like 50s music. One point in my life, I looked to 50s music. is kind of campy and goofy, but I still incorporated it into my swagger of my band and stuff. Um, how do you view the 90s culturally as someone who didn't grow up in that decade? Well, I mean, I think you can't talk about the 90s without talking about Nirvana. <laughs> Never mind, you yeah. know? I mean, for me, the 90s was like the last period of time where rock and roll stars were stars, mm -hmm. you know? They weren't just musicians. They were celebrities and they had notoriety. And I don't think that there will ever be a time like that again. I mean, I was watching... Ethan and I like to watch old MTV programming sometimes. And I remember watching this thing where it was literally MTV news and they were interviewing Steve Albini. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that will never happen again. <laughs> Steve Albini will never be on MTV again, you know, but that was relevant at the time. Yeah. And people were interested in Courtney Love's life, not just her songwriting, yeah. but who's this song about, you know? And there's also a lot of powerful women uh, totally. musicians in the nineties that I don't, no, I mean, obviously they exist in other decades, but I think there was a lot of women that were playing guitars in the 90s. And that was really important as a teenager for me growing up, discovering bands like Liz Fair and PJ Harvey and Baruch Salt and the Breeders, like actually mm -hmm. just seeing femme people holding their guitars like low, <laughs> like, like Kurt Cobain was, you know? Right. That was so cool to yeah. see. Yeah. I mean... 
the funny thing is that I think like also like my beginning introduction to the 90s on my own, like my own personal discovery was like truly through Bikini Kill, which I think is really funny. Um, it's not funny, but it's just an interesting like entryway, I guess. And I think that just kind of plays off of exactly what Allegra is kind of talking about. That was just like, there's this huge wave of female rockers who were not afraid to say things that could be controversial. And I think Liz Fair is also a really good example of that on like an entirely different end of like the rock genre, I guess, of just something a little bit more like not really singer songwriting. I mean, I just love the idea that she took Exile on Main Street and then created Exile on Guyville, yeah. like completely ripped, not ripped, but like took every song and had a response to it from a female perspective. Yeah. Like that's a really interesting concept and then would get shit on by like Billy Corgan um, for doing <laughs> stuff like that. So like, you know, I think that's really powerful that that's still transcendent to us today. You know, yeah. I think that that's still, it's timeless in a way, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and Household Name comes out July 1st on Polyvinyl. Great record label. I love Polyvinyl. Yeah. And again, you seem to be having a, a full summer, as far as I can tell, of touring, and you're on a little break right now. So until you get back on the road, I'd like to play people mm -hmm. speeding 72. Is that cool? Yep. All right. Let's do it.
I got to listen to your entire record quite a few times. One thing that sticks out with me, especially on that song, is you have a knack for an alluring pre-chorus. All your pre-choruses are, they just suck me in. I was like, whoa, and now we're chorus. Are you conscious of that, or is that just part of the puzzle? (laughs) It's really funny that you say that. Yeah, Um, it's like really (laughs) hilarious. So the way that the songwriting dynamic works, we also write with... um, Aaron, our bassist and Mm -hmm. producer. And Eat and I, for the most part, or we have, I think, a larger hand when it comes to verses and choruses, because that's kind of what we always start with. If we have a guitar part that we're excited about, we just immediately write verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Um, And then Aaron is the one that comes in and he's like, you know what? This could really use a pre chorus, or we should work on a bridge. And we're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. But he, I mean, yeah, he pushed us to be more conscious about that. It was never something that I really thought about in songwriting until he brought it up um, every single song. All right, Aaron. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And we were like, we're like, we don't need a fucking bridge, Aaron. Not all the time, okay? And then he would always be like, well, try it out and then we like we'd be like okay we like it better we get it yeah it's a little breathing point it's yeah all right aaron (laughs) go aaron and i think i mean without getting deep into the weeds of pre-courses there's one i can i can't even remember what song it is but the pre-course is basically the course but it's different in in a way and i don't even know why and then you go into the course and uh, i believe it's the same chords i'm not sure but it's very similar to the course but it totally magically works as a pre-course i'm curious if it was tall home it could be it might just because that's the same it's the same chords there's just a plucky bit and then uh and then yeah right that song and calling me are two songs that kind of stood out besides uh, the three that are released now so you said aaron is your producer and co-songwriter how and where did you make this record it was all demoed in his bedroom in Mm. greenpoint oh really yeah so we spent i mean it was a little overkill if we're gonna be totally (laughs) but we spent like a year demoing i think there's four different demo versions of every song and they all sound very different yeah so we did that all with him in his bedroom And then we recorded drums and a few guitars at Studio G in Greenpoint. I think we, you know, pulled out the Marshall stack and all of the fancy pedals for 
a few guitar parts, but it was mainly drums and bass. And yeah. then we finished up guitar, vocals, and all of the other miscellaneous in Aaron's home studio in LA. Oh, okay. So it was all over, yeah. I listened to quite a bit of Two of Me as well. How is making this record different? Two of Me seems, this don't take this the wrong way, it seems a little less dynamic. Than, 1,000 percent. Yeah. It and, and it's <laughs> yeah. kind of got, it's, Really, again, don't take this in the wrong way. Uh, <laughs> but it just seems smoother. It's really kind of a smooth record with, again, great songs, but doesn't have as many peaks and valleys, I guess. Yeah. The funny thing is that before Allegra moved to New York, we were both in college and um, separated from each other for the majority of the year. So we only had certain breaks where we could actually meet up and, you know, complete a full thought of a song or just spend a whole week me sleeping at Allegra's house trying to bang out songs that we were going to record and then we would have probably a month to do absolutely everything so everything prior to household name I think was pretty rushed in a way I think this was the first time that we were able to really breathe and sit on it and yeah so I think that we just had a lot more breathing room with this record and time yeah really that's interesting. There at least is one school of thought where if you have too much time, you'll end up kind of smoothing your record out and you'll take away all the pokey parts and dynamic parts. But it seems like the opposite for you. You had some time to. He was definitely it. getting there. Yeah. <laughs> it was it's getting cool. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were like, there were arguments where it was like, stop the song is done yeah like yeah. don't open the file ever again i don't want to yeah. hear it the song is done we don't need octave parts you know what i mean yeah and then, come on let's just yeah. try this let's just, come on, let's just try it. but a lot of the time after we're trying so many things and we have four versions of the same song then we ended up going back to the original yeah. like first idea best idea but we just had the t all the time in the world i mean i'm hesitant to say that this is like a covid record just because everyone's records that are coming out this year are COVID records. Sure. But we literally had all the time in the world. None of us had jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you certainly didn't squander that time or energy. That's killer. Real fast, and you don't have to answer this. What was the stupidest argument you can remember you had? Oh, shit. That's a really good you question. You can also say, I don't remember because... Me and Ita will get in a fight after this, so you cannot answer. <laughs> no, Ita and I don't fight. Um, <laughs> that's Except a really good question. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, we got in a fight over whether or not Ita had ever had a latte before. Um, <laughs> I feel like the only like things that maybe it's not even an argument because they actually made it to the record, but like there's like certain songs where like I guess we didn't have full control of the guitars. And I think mm -hmm. that's something that we're super protective over. Mm -hmm. So, but we found we were able to get control, control is the right word, like gain control in other ways <laughs> on those songs, you know, yeah. that would then like make up for it. But I think that's like the only thing where we were like, oh, I don't really feel that much of a connection right now because we didn't write this part or something. But that only happened with one song. Yeah. So, but other, I mean, and it still turned out to be a pretty cool one i think so yeah and then thinking outside of uh songwriting influence did you have production influence in mind when you were recording mixing yeah aaron definitely did mm -hmm. each and i definitely had the mindset that we wanted this to be like heavy and 
loud. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we were thinking like, you know, Butch Vig, right? Sure. It's got to sound exactly. like yeah. glossy, but heavy. And then I think Aaron had some more nuanced ideas where mm-hmm. he was like, well, you know, what if it, we made this song sound like Avril Lavigne? Sure. Right. So we were kind of like doing like, the, we had a very primitive idea of what we wanted it to sound mm-hmm. production wise. And then Aaron was a lot more particular about it. Yeah, the two funny ones that I've heard him talk about recently have been Linkin Park and Fru Fru. And I'm like, those are, it's so awesome that that is the same. <laughs> it's on the same record, pretty much. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, Tall Home seems to have a bit more of a modern production to it. Totally. And what's funny about that one, too, is that I remember going into the studio or like, we had just kind of laid down the guitar part and Aaron was like, here, like, what if we did this? And it's just like all of these crazy break beats. Cause I originally yeah. wrote that song my freshman year in my dorm. And then mm-hmm. we kind of like all fleshed it out together, but had like that main riff. And I just, when I demoed it in my dorm freshman year, it sounded obviously nothing like that. But like, and I remember hearing that and being like, Oh, this is how it's supposed to sound. So yeah. I don't know. It was cool. <laughs> Uh, I'm a drummer, so I have to ask this question: Did you really lose a drummer, or do you have have you had the oh. same drummer the whole time? You also oh, don't wow. have to answer that question. <laughs> I I will I will say that at the time the lyric was written, no, and it ended up being what do they call it? Um, a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Oh my god. It's like foreshadowing for ourselves. Yeah, but I think that's all all we're willing to say about the matter. Okay. <laughs> Is Butch Vig playing drums now? That'd be wrong. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, it's great. It all came together, as far as I'm concerned. It's a great record. Thank you. And yeah, thank uh, you. And um, so again, you're. You're on a little break right now. Your summer looks full of shows. What else are you looking forward to in 22 outside of rock and roll? Oh, man. It's kind of all I can think about. I know. It's funny, though. I think that there's a lot that <laughs> rock and roll will give us, though. Like, I think, <laughs> I think uh, like, for example, we leave on Wednesday to go to the UK. I've mm. never been to Europe before. Oh. So the fact that, you know the first time I'm going happens to be when we're also playing music is just kind of yeah. a dream come true. Um, and we've been really obsessed with certain bands coming out of the UK right now. So I think just like being in that environment is going to feel really cool. Yeah. What bands have you been listening to from the UK? Uh, well, I just saw Fontaine's DC two days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, got smacked in the face actually <laughs> in a mosh pit, which was according to my partner, completely my fault. And I completely just ran into the, the line of mosh of this one dude. Um, yeah, but whatever. Uh, and then, um, we've been listening to a lot of shame, sorry, squid. Mm-hmm. Who else is coming out of there? That were, Oh, Biba Doobie, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. UK's there's incredible music coming out of the UK right now. For sure. Oh yeah. Wet leg, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> have to have to shout them out yeah um it's just great that there's a bunch of heavy music coming out i don't i don't only listen to heavy music but it's nice to hear it again from some 
new people. It's definitely exciting because I feel like the last time I was this excited about like a scene, I guess, was Mm -hmm. when we were still in high school living in LA and we were hearing so much about the scene in Philly and New York coming out with like Alex G when Frankie Cosmos was huge and like stuff like that. And I think that was such a time that obviously shaped a lot too. So I, I don't know. It feels really exciting right now. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you so much. This is cool. First podcast. All right. Lovely to meet you. (laughs) Yeah. And if you come to Seattle, I'm going to come to your show. Cool. We will be there. (laughs) And as you travel, travel safe. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Take it easy. Appreciate it. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Takes a lot to admit it. Hey, you're a hot shot, and they know who you are. It takes a lot to admit it. Takes a 